tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Man Who Knew Too Much, Dark Dante, and The Promise. I'm your co-host Crystal and I'm your other co-host Robert and this is reenacted an unsolved mysteries podcast hey Robbie um weren't we weren't we supposed to record last weekend we were what happened man well and probably one of the greatest bits of irony ever <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> because after having spent what a year and a half recording the show trying to work in uh references to you having explosive and uncontrollable diarrhea uh, it's controlled but thank you yes go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> i myself suffered from something that involved uh, a massive amount of uh diarrhea great yeah uh, uh, how pro- many listeners do you think we lost just right now <laughs> we don't have any listeners oh that's true yes it was i at the time i suspected it was food poisoning Mm -hmm. a friend had taken me we were going to go see captain marvel in the movie theater yeah uh before then though we stopped at a restaurant which restaurant name Uh, and shame baby redwood grill oh i don't know that one where's that is that in carson it's in Reno. They um, remember where at the intersection of Kitsky and Plum, there used to be a, like a Carol's, which was, you know, it, it sort of looked like what a Diddy's would look like, only it was called Carol's. Yeah, that's the same. Inter- is that attached to the, the motel that's there? No, I don't think it's attached to a motel. Oh, I'm thinking of Virginia and Plum. Virginia bet. and Plum. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, that's Please. a Thai place, I think. Nowadays. Right, right. Please continue. Yeah, so my initial thought was that this was food poisoning. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, like, the food there was kind of un- unexceptional. The The potato salad they brought, mm-hmm. it was 90% of the contents of the little bowl mm-hmm. was just, like, one uncut-up, unmashed potato. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just picturing a small potato with mayo on it. Is that about right? Well, it's basically a uh, like a quarter of a potato shoved into a bowl with like a little bit of potato salad mm-hmm. whipped around it and covering it on top. Mm. That's what it felt like eating. Mm. But I was informed by my friend that it was in fact not food poisoning a few days ago mm. because it turned out she said I. She, her speculation was that I had 24-hour flu mm-hmm. because shortly after I I'd spent the weekend over at their their place, and mm-hmm. shortly after I left, she came down, started coming down with the symptoms, mm. and I think after she was 
was done, mm-hmm. then her husband mm-hmm. got it. Mm-hmm. So, yep. So, I guess Redwood G- Grill did not give me food poisoning, but mm-hmm. their food was still pretty bad. Blah. Yeah. So, how was how was Captain Marvel though? Oh, I liked it a lot. Oh yeah. Oh, totally. Like, she, well, now granted. Part of that, there's a bias uh-huh. because she's actually one of my favorite Marvel characters. I did not know that. Yes, yes. A lot, her along with like Doctor Strange. Okay. Um, nah, the, the film was, was so the film was good, but I think I walked in predisposed to like it because I was, I'd been waiting 10 years for, for a Captain Marvel wow. film. Oh. Yeah. Um, Exciting. Waiting indeed. So objectively, it was probably like a B plus, but I had an A plus experience. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Um, I I don't really keep up on the Marvel movies. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. Well, there's a hundred billion of them. Now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Them, like every two weeks. <laughs> I think so. the. I think I saw like the first. I, I saw like the two Iron Mans. <laughs> <laughs> back when they came out and then i've seen i i mean in the theater like i've seen a bunch yeah. after they've been released on video but the the one that i really made the the big uh, point to go to last year was black panther and, oh i, I um, saw that theater too uh oh. i remember at the time dave had a movie pass subscription when that yeah. was still going on mm-hmm. and uh he, he was off work for a little bit and so in the middle of but I had been like for two weeks talking about how I wanted to go see Black Panther in the theater. And I'm not like, you know, I don't care about these things, but I really wanted to see Black Panther. And so, um, so he texted me while I was at work and he was like, I'm about to see uh, Black Panther. And I was like, um, do you want to get uh, in a fight? Because what the hell, man? And then he was like, nope, sure don't. And I was like, I really wanted to see that with you. And then he was like, I'm leaving the theater right now. And then he went and saw um, some Wallet and Gromis movie. <laughs> with his movie pass. And then we saw Black Panther that weekend. And that is the that is the time that Dave and I almost got in a fight at the end. I, I was impressed. He actually got up and left the theater after he sat down. He was like, okay, I don't want to get in a fight about this. I like Dave a lot. He's great. Should we talk about Unsolved Mysteries? Season 3, Episode 4? I guess we should talk about Unsolved Mysteries, Season 3, Episode 4. I say that questioningly. Yep, that's what we're on. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> quite remember what episode we were going to talk about. Oh, okay. Um, in case you guys haven't noticed, we're really phoning it in at this point. Um, <laughs> yes. Totally. I, I like to think it's just we're seasoned enough that we don't need to be you know, doing the practice and note-taking that we were in the beginning oh, when we didn't know what we were doing. So. I, I have a single piece of lined paper in front of me, mm-hmm. and it has only one sentence on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, do you want to say it now, or do you want to wait until it's relevant? Well, I'll say it now, then we can elaborate on it when mm-hmm. it's relevant. Mm-hmm. Stack yelling in the telephone <laughs> Okay, well, we will elaborate on that in the second segment of this episode. Yeah, that if I were to, ha- if I had taken notes, 
it would have been bad <laughs> for this entire episode. <laughs> Actually, no, I have a I have a note um for this this first segment though. If we want to talk about it, it's uh it's a what is it in is it a wanted or an unexplained death? What is this? I you know I wasn't paying attention to that part of the the segment when the thing comes flying at us. I assumed it was a wanted, right? Um, let's see. I'm looking at it right now because uh... I mean, we know. We know the death. No way, how it no happened. Whammy, no Just whammy. Not... Stop. Oh, wait, shit. This is the series intro. Also, I feel like we got a different intro this time. But maybe maybe it's been this way all season. Oh, man. I, I I guess I wasn't. In all honesty, I was getting my spaghetti ready during that part of the episode. So I was not focused as closely. Mm-hmm. I, I will I will check later. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I just, there's a guy at the end holding, getting a mugshot that says United States Marshal, and I just, I don't remember that guy being in it. Before I digress, so the first segment is uh, Unsolved Mystery. Mm-hmm. It's definitely that. <laughs> <laughs> it's an unexplained death. There we go. The title card finally came up. It's funny you mentioned that. In the second segment, for, for I kind of, I didn't, it seemed like they weren't really going towards a mystery at first. They're just mm-hmm. relating a series of factual events. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, uh, what's the mystery here? But we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Um, I, yeah. And that, that second segment's going to be, I think, really the gem of this episode. So let's try and get through this first one. <laughs> right. Stanley, Stanley Grisick? Grisick? Well, it doesn't matter. Yes, this this goes takes us back to the mid nineteen seventies in Rome, New York. Mm-hmm. They have a very picturesque introduction of the town, mm-hmm. and I believe Robert Stack referred to it as looking like a, something out of a Rock, Norman Rockwell painting. Mm-hmm. Which, as soon as I heard that, I knew because anytime they make any sort of allusion to that, you mm-hmm. know someone is going to get horribly, horribly murdered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, we get the background on Stanley. He owned a gas station with a, with a liquor store joined, I guess, maybe in the same, same structure. Mm-hmm. And they lived, uh, him and his wife, uh, Esther, S- Esther, S- Esther, how do you, pre- I'm not saying that right. Esther, right? Yeah, it's whatever it is in the Bible. Yeah, exactly. Uh, They lived next door in a house. And we get a, very quickly, we get a reenactment of when some guys broke into the house. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to pause here for a second. Okay. Because the the other note that I would have made, there's some, some details in that Stanley is upstairs getting ready for his bath Mm -hmm. when this happens. Robbie, did you notice anything unusual about his bath? Yeah. Oh, boy. God, I guess I did not pick up on it like you did. What did you perceive? This is the dirtiest fucking bathtub I've ever seen on television. (laughs) Really? Yeah, just now when I didn't respond to you, I was taking a screenshot of it because I'm going to put it on our our Twitter, at least, because... (laughs) I'm I'm like I'm trying I was trying to figure this out and I okay. even rewound it a couple of times to see if I had missed something um so 
a lot of times, I assume, unsolved mysteries, because they're using the people involved with the case, they're probably also using their home or something in the area as a set piece to do the reenactment, right? Uh-huh. Um, in this case, the Stanley dies. Um, and it's not a big spoiler or anything, but the mom dies unrelated several years later, and this happened during the 1970s. So presumably they don't have access to the house where this all happened, right? So this is not this is not them reenacting in on location. Somebody yeah, had to go scout this house. <laughs> okay. Yes. And I don't know if no one noticed or they left it alone for a bit of realism. This bathtub is disgusting. I guess this is where <laughs> the fact that I'm a single man probably. Robbie, I'll text you the picture. You're gonna, you, no, this is like beyond. Okay, this is like there are there are weird rings of like maybe where a bath mat was. There's a ring around the tub itself. Even in my poor screenshot, you're gonna be able to see. Okay. How nasty this is. I and I'm like, how did this? How did this get by? the the producers of um of this episode or did they leave uh. it on purpose but i'm like first of all if you're gonna reenact how i died please make sure my bathtub is clean <laughs> um you know What's... like i'm really hung up on this like this this was this you're... was a deliberate choice to use this house like why did no one clean the bathtub mm-hmm. i i i'm pro i have to ask this question now yeah so in the past, when you've come up to visit me at my place in Dayton, yeah. and I've had a, a bedroom and bathroom set aside for you, yeah, the bathroom was sufficiently clean for your standards, I felt, right? Yeah, I felt like when I was taking a shower, I felt comfortable being barefoot in your shower taking a shower. Oh, God. I would never have, I wouldn't step foot in this bathtub. Let me oh, just God. put it Do you see I what just... I'm saying? Do you yes, see how dirty I, I, this is? I got your text. My goodness. This that's... is beyond like I'm just a dude and I don't really scrub my bathtub. This is like years of abuse and it not being like taken care of. And what's I understand that sometimes maybe that's what a bathtub looks like, but if you're making a choice to to shoot at a location, why? <laughs> 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 this is so gross and it's kind of like frankly disrespectful to you know, <laughs> stand the dead them. here. Yes. Okay, we can move on from this. I just we'll, we'll throw that picture up on Twitter. I'll 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 do it when I release the episode. But man, is nasty. Anyways, please continue. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. Well, I guess part of the reason why I didn't pick up on that was I was kind of fixated. They mentioned that his wife she went through a usual nightly routine of locking up all, making sure all the doors and windows are locked up. Yep. Yep. Which is something that we used to really do a lot in my household. Mm -hmm. um, you know, living out here in Dayton, I guess my mother felt like we're kind of in a remote area. And if something bad happened, help yeah. was really readily, you know, immediately available. Well, there's no one to hear you scream. So. Well, yeah, quite literally. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, that that was used to be a pretty common thing. Was uh, as soon as it got dark, I had to go around, lock up all the doors, make sure all the windows are closed, close all the blinds, pull the curtains, 
And I, I kind of feel that in the past several years after her, uh, her death, mm-hmm. I, you know, to go along with uh, putting only a moderate amount of effort into cleaning in my bathtub, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've also just sort of been like, eh, I'm just, I'm not even going to bother closing the curtains because then I'll have to open them up again in the morning. And if uh, some prowler is going to watch me walking sort of half naked through the living room, mm-hmm. carrying a, carrying a baking sheet of pizza that I'm just eating directly off of instead of putting on the plate. Mm, classic. Yeah. 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 That that's, that's really, that's their problem. You know, I a hundred percent agree. Um, yeah. it's, it's, you know, I, we have a swimming pool in our backyard Yes. And uh, I am fond. I, you know, I don't need to wear a suit. I'm at my house. Mm, the only person, yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm usually, if I'm swimming, I'm not wearing anything. We'll put it that way. Oh. And uh, we've got a hole in our fence, though, uh, <laughs> to the neighbor's yard. And, and Dave seems very paranoid about, you know, I'm like, well, if they don't want to see anything, don't be looking. And that's my <laughs> attitude. You don't want to see something, don't look in my house. Yeah. Yeah. And if you see something, then enjoy it. <laughs> anyway, we are way off track. So no, I think we're precisely on track. <laughs> yes. So, now, here, here... yeah, what's the wife's name? Esther? Yeah, she's yeah. Uh, she's locking up. And right before she gets to the kitchen door, bam. Two guys. And this is probably one, in some ways, such a terrifying reenactment because they just they just swoop into the the kitchen so quickly that Mm -hmm. she has no time to react Mm -hmm. in any capacity. Mm -hmm. I mean, these guys are on a purpose. Yeah. Uh, Now the, the conjecture is that Stanley heard what was going on downstairs, came down. Uh, He also was uh, restrained or something. Um, It was very interesting. They described how she was tied up. Mm hmm. Yeah, they hogtire in the reenactment, yeah. And there's a series of strange decisions that are made here on everyone's, (laughs) by everyone. And I'm trying to, like, figure out what, because, like, her her reaction to this was just to try to pretend she was dead. Mm -hmm. Which, Mm -hmm. I mean, I get plain possum, not, you know, you don't, don't draw any more attention to yourself than is needed, just cooperate and hopefully they'll leave mm-hmm. and what what else are you going to do when you're tied up yeah, yeah. But how why would she think that their their conclusion if they saw her not moving would be that she's dead like she died from being having her arms tied behind her well, i mean they, i realize she's yeah. an old but yeah she is an old i think it's i think it's uh i think it was pretty smart on her part because they did knock her down yeah, and presumably maybe she hit her head or something. Like I don't know. Like, well, I think in it, the moment that was probably a pretty smart move on her part. The thing is, is it may have worked because then I was perplexed by one of the actions of one of the burglars, uh, or w- rather one of the the assailants. Mm-hmm. He puts down a pearl handled uh, pistol mm-hmm. down right in front of her on the ground as he gets up to assist his comrade in uh, ter- tearing apart the apartment. This guy must have had, must have been pretty confident in his rope tying skills, mm-hmm. because like, say she, she somehow manages to get out ropes, mm-hmm. he's just left a, a weapon yeah. <laughs> for her to use on him, yeah. unless, and the, 
in some ways, I kind of thought it kind of felt like when he was putting the pistol down, aimed at her like that. I could almost picture the assailant saying something like "Watch her" mm-hmm. to the pistol, like he, he's like the like it's an actual uh, being capable of <laughs> taking instructions. Um. But yeah, so the assailants rip apart the apartment or, or house rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is clearly not, they're not just there to grab the, quickly grab the valuable stuff. They're deliberately looking through stuff mm-hmm. for something. Mm-hmm. They're tearing, uh, tearing apart stuff, trying to find something. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually they leave. And when the wife no longer senses that they're there, she gets up. And un- finds, unfortunately, that Stanley has been killed. Mm-hmm. And we get a very tearful depiction of her watching as his body's taken away in an ambulance. And we get the unfortunate news that obviously she was so heartbroken that she died within a couple of years after this. Yeah. Well, within a couple of years, it's kind of like maybe she just died. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm like, you know, I think about, um, I think about, you know, recently Carrie Fisher passed away, and then it was within like a week or something. Her mother Debbie Reynolds passed away, and I'm like, you know, that's dying of a broken heart, right? That's, yeah. uh, you know, two years later, I don't know, maybe she just died. I don't know. May, I think the, I think there was a lot of conjecture on like, oh, she, you know, understandably she was. Also, this grief question kind of comes back later in the segment, and uh, there's this segment was very had a lot of conjecture and was getting very confusing. But, oh, totally! I, yeah, I'm glad I that too. It was so so basically like the daughter of Esther and Stanley says, you know, mom wasn't really there for the last two years, and I was like, yeah, I I can dig it. You've been married to someone for however long and they die tragically and unexpectedly you're going to be pretty rocked by that and probably not okay i don't know whatever she died of whatever it doesn't matter because it's not really part of the case but um later um i'm going to jump ahead a little bit we can circle back if we need to later though um when they start talking about why stanley might have been a victim of this crime uh he taught there's an, an issue with his brother uh-huh. passing away stanley's killed four months after his brother passes away but again the kids are kind of like well dad was just being really weird for those four months like he well, seemed- and we yeah we get a, a a description of a specific event right right and i'm like well you're assuming your mother died two years after the fact of a broken heart but then your father's brother dies and you're like well he was being kind of like i don't know weird for four months and it's like yeah his brother died (laughs) you guys like (laughs) i don't know maybe it's possible your father was also experiencing grief and grief is different forever i don't know i just thought that was just really really strange because that weird behavior is used to sort of like make a case of why Stanley might have been killed in this way. So I'm just like, well, maybe it, I don't know. That, that's, that's a good point. One, because, as, one aside, like right, yeah. because they do describe this moment when he hugged his daughter or something goodbye. It was yeah. like I, you know, saying he said something along the to the effect of I don't know when I'll ever get to see you again. Yeah, maybe he was just like deep thinking in his grief. that. Right, right. Yeah. Think 
Yeah, he's he's reevaluating what more mortality means. Yeah. Whereas Unsolved Mysteries <laughs> kind of gives the impression that this was like foreboding. Well, yeah, it's yeah. What, it's similar to as as we've seen in several previous episodes of the show when there's a murder and it turns out that the victim may not have just been a victim of chance or a robbery, but you had some access to some sort of scandal or information that someone wanted quiet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they kind of suggest that this was in in many of those segments they have a, there's some situation where right before the murder the victim says something like if i was killed you'd try to find my killer or something right mm. you know something along those lines and i i feel like they're they're trying to make this yet another one of those things where the future victim comes very close to telling the mm-hmm. the family the the reason that he that would eventually be be the, the incident or information or whatever that would eventually be the reason why he'd be killed but then pulls back at the last moment so mm-hmm. but like you say this could just be this could have just been him suffering grief from the loss of his brother yeah yeah but yeah so we kind of have that set up for a potential reason why this may have been a more elaborate than uh, a death than just two guys breaking into a house at random. Yeah. Uh, they, they do the autopsy and they conclude that it was like what a, a stab to the heart mm-hmm. step into the heart that killed mm-hmm. him. But apparently the family, when they were finally allowed into the house to clean up his, uh, was his son. Mm hmm found a bullet casing mm-hmm. and so the segment makes the there's this big thing about they the family believes he was shot the uh, officials believe he was stabbed and this begins a series of what to me felt like unrelated bits of information mm-hmm. that are sort of welded together to create a narrative that I do not understand what they're saying precisely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So we, we have the bullet casing and the argument over whether he is stabbed or shot. Um, then there was what the witness came forward about how he had been approached by someone to participate in a breaking into Stanley's house prior to the incident. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess what that got the case reactivated. So then uh, the next bit of information is their neighbor, a woman named Amy Scott had let, let her dog out just prior to the murder mm-hmm. and had witnessed someone walking through the lot and then uh, the seeing the car speeding away mm-hmm. and uh, in the reenactment, she yells at it because it nearly hits her dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that, that was kind of satisfying. This is, and then somehow she, she encounters the same car a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Apparently it may or may not have been following her. It was definitely behind her yeah. in some capacity. Yeah. And, and she describes, you know, driving away from it really quickly, like driving like a maniac to get away from this car because she's afraid that it could be someone uh, coming to, uh, it could be someone tr- coming to knock off one of the witnesses. Right. And she just, descri- but 
the depiction they show is of a car that's driving at what I would describe as normal speed in a city uh, town street mm-hmm. and then point over at a reasonable speed to come safely to a stop along the curbside. <laughs> yeah. Well, she, she ends up uh, just driving to the police station, right? And saying yeah. what had yeah, happened. She, she gets out, walks up to some yeah. officers out uh, as the cars to chase may, that may or may not have been chasing her is depicted as driving by. Yeah. Um, and she sounds like a really like good neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. Way. Yeah. I just want to give her props for being like alert and aware as to what is happening in her neighborhood. Yeah, totally. So good for her. Or she might have been a really annoying neighbor for that reason. You never know. (laughs) (laughs) Stanley's like, God damn it. Oh, she is in our yard again. I cannot. We can't do anything without her watching us. Yeah. Well, and this, and this, I don't, and honestly, I don't know how useful this information becomes that she provides. So yeah, the, the, here's the thing. Like, not only is this information of whatever usefulness level, mm-hmm. but then, and here's where I really start to get feel confused. It was her that then provided the information that led to the authorities to the woman named Pat Patsy Peck. Yeah, right? who runs the bookstore, right? Has has the bookstore. Yeah, and she describes what like two guys came in and talked with her husband Mm -hmm. and I'm not even sure what the, their relationship was to her husband or Mm -hmm. it was very vague. I couldn't really follow what was happening. And then, yeah, I don't know that this had anything to do with anything. So I was like, I, I just like was very confused as to why this bit of information was being included. This is, it's, it's probably just a result of at the beginning of the segment when Robert Stack's describing the the town, mm-hmm. he describes it as a small working class town where everyone knew everything about everyone else's business. I know. Doesn't right? that sound like hell? Like a waking hell? <laughs> that totally sounds to like in? hell. Yeah. I wouldn't want to live in that town. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's uh it the thing with the bookstore only came up because those two guys were driving the same type of car, which if I it was like a white Chevy Cavalier or something, which is super common also for mm-hmm. that time. So I don't I mean, I just I feel like it's one of these things like you said they're just throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks. Yes, yes. To create a narrative when maybe there just isn't one. And I think including the information about how the Police missed the bullet casing when they came and investigated the scene, but the son found it. He also said that when he gave it to a detective, the detective pocketed it and and said, well, we'll just not mention this. Just forget about this. Like, as if you could forget about this. Come on. So I think it might be... I think they're angling towards saying, like, there was some kind of thing going on with the police involved. Wanted to cover this up, but I'm. That's not... felt like where they were going initially. They don't say they, it outright, they... but like they're, I'm, you know, and it's one of those these things. It's like, well, how diligent are the the PD of uh, Rome, New York, going to be? Shrug of the many, shoulders. Yeah, how many homicides are these detectives dealing with in a decade? 
even right. so what i think we're kind of in i think unsolved mysteries is assuming malice when it's truly just maybe incompetence and the police wanting to say it was a stab wound and then pocketing the shell casing and not talking about it is just probably co- to try and cover their own asses because they'd already written up the report and they didn't want to redo their work uh-huh. i mean come on think about it <laughs> so i don't think there's any like grand conspiracy here with the police but then, like, we get the, yeah, well, yeah, I, I I think you make a pretty good case there. And I don't really see anything to suggest the police were in on what the the revelation, of course, is that Stan, Stanley's brother, he owned a bar. Mm-hmm. And there was apparently some drug dealing going on inside the bar. Yeah, gambling and drug dealing. Dealing. Yeah. And the, the presumed idea is that he... Before his death, he conveyed information about this to Stanley, Mm -hmm. and that's why someone apparently may or may not have wanted Stanley murdered. Yeah. Um, yeah, And the bar had been shut down for this. Yes, yes. Now, a man and the two, apparently, allegedly, we get a, a reenactment scene of the two men that show up at the bookstore, showing up at a bar of some sort Mm -hmm. and collecting an envelope that according to someone had a lot of money in it i and then this is and then that's basically the extent of my understanding of this Mm -hmm. case because yeah oh man i'm re-watching this and uh, they just drove by a gas station in the reenactment yeah guess how much a gallon of gas was oh god um Fifty-two cents. Uh, no, it was, it was a bit more than that. Okay. So, uh, it was a dollar one. Wow. Dollar one. Yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah. Good old days, man. Jeez, yes, yes. When did uh, hey? Did you uh when you started driving? Yeah. Um, did you have your own car? Or did you use the family car? This sort of both. Um, um same, I, same for me. Yeah. Same also. Um, so I had um, the first car I ever drove, though. Uh, sorry, this is just an excuse for me to talk about my first car, which I... it's <laughs> Okay. You know, I think a lot of people think about the person they, they lost their virginity to or the first person they fell in love with, and they, and they like to kind of reminisce about that. Like, nothing's ever going to live up to that experience. Um, this is how I feel about the first car that I drove. <laughs> okay. Um, it was a Cadillac Sedan DeVille. Okay. All right. I mean, this thing was a sofa on wheels. It was, Ooh. it, dude, it was great, but it only took premium gas. Oh man! And so I rem, and it was also the family car. Like this was primarily my mom's car. Um, and I remember, like, I would never wanted to put gas in it because it took premium, and I. <laughs> <laughs> I had my own money, like I was working and stuff, but like I just was so opposed to the idea. And I remember premium gas at the time was like mm-hmm. maybe a dollar thirty nine. Outrageous! And Why I was don't they like, just take the no. blood out of me. I know. I was like, no, I'm not doing this. I ain't doing it. And my mom would get so mad. She's like, you got to put gas if you're gonna drive this thing. You got to put gas in the car. And she was right. I mean, that's it was rude what I was doing. Um, dollar thirty nine. Is like no, not doing it. Absolutely. <laughs> and I That's just outrageous. yeah, I, I would, it was. 
I'll walk rather than ever have to pay that amount for gasoline. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I just paid four nineteen the other day, so <laughs> Yikes. Can we just make this a podcast talking about uh, cars and food? I think that's probably... Price inflation. Price inflation, yes. Yeah. I know one of my favorite things to do in movies from the 80s is anytime a character goes into like a McDonald's, Mm -hmm. I am scanning that menu board (laughs) to see how much things are. Like a Big Mac is 98 cents. Well, you know, some things never really changed, though, because I remember um, we didn't, I lived in a small town when I was, well, I lived in an even smaller town when I was in high school and I was driving, but I lived in a small town in the Bay Area. I think I mentioned it, Benicia, California, uh, oh, yeah. until I was about 12 years old. And I remember one of the big treats uh, was going to Taco Bell. So we, oh, yeah. we didn't have much fast food in town, but we had a Taco Bell. And my mom and I freaking love Taco Bell. I loved, I would marry Taco Bell. I still love Taco Bell, but anyway. Um, if you, so if you had to marry a fast food restaurant, it, it, would, be it Taco would be Taco Bell. Definitely. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, <laughs> anyway, and I remember a bean and cheese burrito with onions, mm-hmm. which I believe is still on the menu at Taco Bell, was 89 cents. Yeah. And if you got it without the cheese, I think it was 79 cents. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, l- listen, viewers, rompers, Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is probably, I'm going to date myself, um, I want to say like 93, 94. Okay. And so we would be, like my mom and I would be scrimping change, right? We'd be like, let's let's see how much change we got sitting on the counter and we get some burritos from Taco Bell. Mm. And uh, I, think, yeah. I think those burritos are now only like a dollar nine. Maybe. Yeah, that's, that's I think they're still bad. like around a dollar. And that was, what, 25 years ago? So, yes. you know, you know, the uh, I, I I suspect the components needed to make a bean burrito. I mean, I can't imagine them being subjected to very much upward. No, I mean, pressure. beans and tortillas are still cheap, man. So isn't that the truth? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. We were talking about I mean, I don't oh, want the, to the grand conspiracy. Yeah, I don't want to do Stanley's death a disservice, but mm. I guess maybe maybe unsolved mysteries might be doing that because we're not, and shocker of shockers, they don't actually turn up any uh, suspect, uh, any people who uh, who are arrested or, or resolution to this case. Mm-hmm. We're just posed a lot of like half questions. Mm-hmm. Okay, so say he was killed because he knew something about how there had been drug dealing and gambling going on in this bar. What the hell was it that these two guys were allegedly looking for? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, that's it. We're just we're posting a lot of stuff that I I, I don't I, I feel we feel like we got a series of just vaguely related factoids yeah and it's 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 another um draw your own conclusions yeah yeah did you like this segment robbie oh wasn't wasn't totally boring but i mean i just i feel like this segment just sort of meandered
should we move on to perhaps the most exciting sex oh. that we have seen in a long time? Oh man, I am so excited. I, I sincerely hope that you're planning on making a lot of war games drops. Uh, I will now. Okay. I will now. I was I was actually going to go with hackers, but maybe. Oh man, hackers would be a, a good one too. Yeah. Wow. You you you. So you've you've seen and have uh, have some at least some opinion about the movie Hackers. Then. Um. It, yeah. Well, I haven't seen it probably since a couple years after it came out. Yeah. But even then, it so dated itself. <laughs> It's like the it's like the movie The Net. Like by the time they released The Net, people were like, "Yeah, that's not how the internet is. That's not what computers look like." <laughs> the, the hackers is such a great time capsule mm-hmm. for understanding how people in the early to mid '90s thought that computers, the internet, computer hacking, and everything else. Mm-hmm. worked and would work in the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a new virus in the database. What's happening? It's replicating, eating up memory. Uh, what do I do? Type cookie, you idiot. I'll head him off at the pass. It, it, is, it is a masterpiece. Uh, I'm going sh- to send you a link to a, like a 20-minute video like thing these guys did talking about hackers yeah i think do it do it yeah uh it is it is i i okay i i am very satisfied with your decision to go with hackers uh, but also maybe war games like why not yeah yeah uh there's there's definitely uh both are applicable here yeah we we got a situation with a young man named kevin paulson Mm -hmm. yeah his name was kevin paulson this thing was Kevin Pulse. <laughs> okay, throw some Fight Club references. Why not? <laughs> I'm way too pleased with myself about that. Um, wait, 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 wait. Before we even get to Kevin Paulson, though, we got to talk about your notes. Oh, yes, yes. Gosh. Uh, let me get that out. Okay, so the, inter- the Robert Stack introduction in this he is allegedly in the phone company he's in he's inside the internet that's what i'm <laughs> he's inside he's yes, in he, the internet yeah he's inside the internet as they may have tried to envision it back in the late 80s early 90s yeah. it's basically just a big server room as well yeah. yeah lots of machines yeah and they are loud yeah because you can tell robert stack he is yelling yes, yelling yes. to be heard yeah now, the machines don't sound so loud, so I'm assuming in post-production they did some things to try to bring the, the volume down. Yeah, definitely. But it is he's clear. Shouting. That, yeah, yeah, he's where, shouting. Yeah, wherever, wherever he is, he feels that he, he, he the need to yell as loudly as he can so he can be heard. Uh, and it is just glorious. Oh. Uh, yeah, and it happens more than once, which is really great. Yes, yes. So that that is by far. I mean, if this was not such an awesome segment mm-hmm. in of itself, that alone would would clinch it. How many for best t- segment? How many takes do you think they had to do to get them like to yell loud enough so they could hear them? 
you know, I'm not really a high, you know, a video producing guy. Um, does your does your boyfriend have any insight into that? I don't know. He didn't watch this with me. So, oh. yeah. I, I I imagine it has to be at least more than what the number of takes they'd usually make. Mm-hmm. I, I I always I guess I kind of always assumed Robert Stack was just a one and done guy. He was that good, but yeah, I like to think he was throwing his like he was like an opera singer and he's throwing his voice around the server yeah. room to just get that right volume and they did like <laughs> one take and nailed it. Oh man, doubly impressive if he was able to accomplish that. Going on to Kevin Paulson. Yes. He is a young man who, what was it? He got a computer for his birthday or something? Yeah. Which I believe is what happens in hackers as well, right? Yeah. I mean, if there's. Johnny Lee Miller gets a computer for his birthday. Guys, um... (laughs) don't get your kids a computer for their birthday. That's the moral of the story. Like, just computers are bad, okay? Yeah. I think we. And I think after. 25 years of the internet we can all agree yeah we <laughs> yes <laughs> we, we we we've gotten empirical verifiable evidence of that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he very quick quick he very quickly creates an alias called dark dante yeah which is exactly what a 16 year old would do is precisely the sort of alias a 16 year old would create mm-hmm. yes what if you were a hacker what would you what would you choose for for yourself? What would you have chosen for yourself? Oh God! What were the aliases they had in Hackers? Like I, I don't remember. Johnny Lee Miller. Well, I, Angelina Jolie was Acid Burn, right? Right, and her and her password was God. No, 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 no. That was the password of uh, whoever woman working at the company that they hacked into. Oh, right. You, because because Fisher Stevens playing not a guy from India this time <laughs> uh, uh, proceeds to lecture his lover slash partner in crime like don't use God do not use God as a password because it is so easy which I mean I guess all we can say about that is at least they weren't at least she wasn't using the login password combination that we eventually see later in this segment. <laughs> yeah. It's just the initials of a university as the login. Yeah. And was... the same initials as the password. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you, I, we'll, we'll go back to some of these excellent screenshots in a second, but basically the thrust of the, the segment is, uh, this guy, R- Robert Paulson. No, is that the fight? Club guy? <laughs> yeah. Johnny Kevin Paulson. Thank you. Kevin Paulson. <laughs> I've now actually confused him with the guy from Fight Club. Uh, <laughs> he he uh, he starts clicking around on basically whatever the rudimentary form of the uh, internet is, and he finds a server called ARPANET, which is actually fairly well known. Oh, actually, uh, I I googled it very quickly. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say what ARPANET is, and and Unsolved Mysteries doesn't really deign to explain to us why this was such a big deal that he was able to get into this. Um, but, uh, the ARPANET, which stands for Advanced Research Projects Agency Network, uh, was an early packet switching network and first network to implement the TCP IP protocol suite. Both technologies became the technological foundation of the internet. So this is like the proto internet that he was able to get into. 
Um, ARPANET was initially founded by the Advanced Research Projects Agency of the uh, of the Department of Defense. So basically, he hacked into the proto internet of the Department of Defense. Um, specifically, what he what you just referenced, uh, he hacked into the the server at UC Berkeley. Yes. Using the password UCB. <laughs> So just one more time, he hacked into the Pentagon (laughs) via UC Berkeley's server using their password UCB. (laughs) Anyway, do you want to talk about some of the cool screenshots we get on? Oh, oh, yes, yes. Well, well, first, I I didn't properly answer your question about what my alias would be. Sorry, I wanted to nerd out about ARPANET for a second. Oh, no, I, yeah, totally. I I love how they describe the, how Robert Stack describes it as, uh, like, it allows computers to be connected together via phone lines. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see here. I think Johnny Lee Miller, like, he had two nicknames. He changed them in the movie. When he was a kid, he was going by Zero Cool. Cool. Zero Cool. Yeah, which I kind of feel would be like, if not an appropriate alias for me, at least a very accurate one. <laughs> <laughs> and then he changed it to like Crash Overdrive or something, Override or something. Um, I don't know. Uh, I guess Zero Cool's already taken. Hmm. Gosh, an alias, a computer hacking alias for Robert. I got nothing. Okay. I guess I'm not a really a computer guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'd probably use. I wanted to use this as my screen name on like OKCupid uh, okay. for a while, but my friends talked me out of it because whatever. <laughs> um, I wanted to be K Cole for twenty sixty nine. But they like wouldn't let me do that. But I think that would be my <laughs> hacker name. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, that, that's that's pretty good. Uh, Damn. I'd be I'll... like my hacker persona would be like goofy, so you don't see me coming. You know what I'm saying? Right. Exactly. Yeah. God. Yeah. I. I. That's actually really good. Like so good. I don't even. Anything I spitball right now will not even measure up. Maybe we can make that a contest. Come up with Robbie's hacker alias, and like the one we like the most, will send some worthless piece of crap to. Yeah, I'm sure I can find something around yeah. <laughs> here. <laughs> okay. Okay. Moving on with the the actual meat of of this uh segment which is some hilarious stuff going online because in the same screenshot we get where he creates the alias of dark dante yeah apparently creating a hacker alias is the same thing as um like a early dating profile (laughs) um there are three questions that he must answer Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Number one, what is his favorite song? It's Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Which was interesting because that's a movie, not a song. Mm-hmm. I can only mm-hmm. assume that 
perhaps he meant the Star Wars soundtrack was his favorite music. I mean, that's kind of, <laughs> you know, if, if you had, if you'd posed like, what's your favorite album to a 17 year old me, I would say Star Wars. It'd be the Star Wars soundtrack. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, oh totally. Like, uh, you know, I don't know if I've ever explained this because I didn't own a stereo until I think the first time I ever owned a stereo, I was... 16 or 17 oh wow so i didn't really listen to any music before then and the first albums i picked up i think the very first album i bought was the soundtrack to star trek generations oh boy can you find a way to scan for life forms i would be happy to sir i just love scanning for life forms life Tiny little life forms. <laughs> um, so that, you know, that pro- like, that's part, probably, probably part of the explanation why I didn't go to my first rock concert until this past summer. Yeah, I was- yeah, I mean, that's amazing to me, but I love that you made up for lost time and it was the Smashing Pumpkins you went and saw. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was a great show, too. I don't know, did we talk about that on the pod? I think we did. Yeah, yeah. I think right after, because you went with Howard, right? You yes, about yes. Yeah. It was an amazing experience. Um, I'm completely jealous, honestly, because Smashing Pumpkins was definitely one of my favorite bands growing up, and I, it's just one of the ones I never got around to sing live. So. Oh, wow. That's really dope, dude. Yeah, and you know, this wasn't just like Billy Corgan touring. He had uh, Jimmy Chamberlain on the drums and uh, James on the uh, uh, guitar. Yeah. And... Is is Darcy still playing bass or no? Was she not there? No, she she was the one holdout who. Oh, uh, I just man, like in the '90s, cool girls pantheon of just cool girls like Darcy, man. Oh, really? Cool. Well, yeah, because A, 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 she played yeah. bass. Because at that point, like, if you were in a rock band and you were female, you could play the guitar or you could sing, and those are the things you could do. She was in one of the biggest rock bands in the world at the time, and she played bass and she didn't sing. And I just thought, like, yeah. like that's still incredibly rare. She's she's so fucking cool. Like, okay, I don't know what she's doing now. I hope she's doing great. I just, like, it was, like, her and... um. I don't know. I just put her up there with like with the '90s cool girls like Winona Ryder, Darcy from the Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> um, this is interesting. This is giving me a, like an. I feel like I'm getting a real insight into like teenage Crystal. Oh yeah, you know I was also a huge. You know I'll put Juliette Lewis in there too. Just thought she was fucking the coolest. Uh, Patricia okay. Arquette. I still think Patricia Arquette's the fucking coolest, and I still think Winona Ryder's the fucking coolest. So wow. I st- I had some like primo taste back in the nineties, but they were just like I don't know, like in my mind, like I, that's those are people like I would have been hanging out with. I would have been like you know fifteen years their junior, but like right, like, if right. I was gonna hang out with some people, it was gonna be them. 
for sure. Fast. Why are we talking about this? We're <laughs> supposed to be talking about Kevin Paulson. It is strange that we went on a, a tangent this for is... like the actual exciting segment for this episode. Um, well, this po- this podcast is like one fourth unsolved mysteries, three fourths Robbie and Crystal going on a nostalgia trip. Oh man! Um, right. Yeah. So his favorite Kevin Paulson's favorite food, and he's filling out this hacker profile. <laughs> his application to be a hacker, I guess. His favorite food, tacos. Nice tacos. Nice. Yeah. And then the last question is: Are you dating someone now? Why? Anyone want to guess what the answer to that was? Uh, it was no. Okay. Um, <laughs> as, as if that was it could the answer could be anything else. Mm. Um, yeah. So he. What's what's really interesting? He like he 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 slipped up at some point and used his real name in mm-hmm. some capacity and all yeah. the hacking he's doing. Mm-hmm. Probably not a good idea. No. Uh, so his computer got confiscated by the Los Angeles DA. Mm-hmm. I thought it was the FBI. Uh, not yet. Okay. Like, oh, mean, right. Like, Sorry. Yeah, that, that's that's where it gets really. Yeah, it's really interesting. We have multiple layers of law enforcement doing stuff, mm-hmm. and there's definitely you get the sense of like, I don't know, uncertainty about where one of their authority ends, the the other begins. Sort of, because mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I was kind of like, wow, only the Los Angeles DA is handling this. I kind of, this is quite the opposite from like, you know, this is not as as much as the like in war games when, uh, like, I think uh, Matthew Brock, he's 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 drinking a Slurpee or something, mm-hmm. and he just slowly gets followed by more and more unmarked cars and guys in suits until like half the FBI ropes him up mm-hmm. um but yeah they the da confiscated his computer and apparently they arrested a friend of his who was also a hacker but the like i was very vague on that i didn't catch that initially so in the reenactment when the either you know the detective or whoever is like when they're all the guys in suits are walking away with um kevin's computer stuff mm-hmm. this guy's like look you're in a lot of trouble your friend is in a really lot of trouble so i suggest you not you know you you avoid doing anything or you could get arrested like he will yeah basically all they do is they give him a slap on the wrist and then take his computer yeah which i it. feel is like that is such incredible luck mm-hmm. like, no uh, normally i think a person walking away from that experience probably you know would be like wow i better straighten up and fly right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but kevin does not do that. no he doesn't do that he lays he it seems doubles, like he lays, lays low for a little bit a little bit but then he doubles down yeah he, he moves somewhere he begins hacking again extensively mm-hmm. and i guess the uh, much like using his real name he slipped up and not paying a storage locker fee Mm -hmm. so the guys who own it you know uh unlock the thing and find tons of telephone equipment and computer things and even though he had used an alias to get to to get the 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 store storage unit um this is in what is very much like an episode of The Simpsons where Bart puts the property of Bart Simpson 
um, label onto a walkie-talkie that he throws down a well mm-hmm. and and pulls a prank on people with. Mm-hmm. Kevin has left his name in numerous spots mm-hmm. in, inside the storage locker, and it is full of stuff that, like, you clearly had to commit felonies to have. And uh, I guess amongst the stuff he had was the unlisted phone number for the Soviet embassy in was it San Francisco? Wow. That's, um, you know, if you're doing like computer hacking, I'm sure the authorities are like, okay, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing computer hacking and you're in contact with the Soviet union, Mm -hmm. uh, I think that, 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 sets off a lot more red flags well they interview kevin's and i'm putting this in square quotes his friend uh sean randall who basically is like listen here's the deal with him he just wants to know that he can do it and it's he's not trying to he doesn't have an angle he's not trying to like work with the soviets or anything like that he just wants to feel like he has the power to get into things he's not supposed to get into um I don't know why Sean Randall is like narking on Kevin so hard. <laughs> I don't know what her fucking deal is. Maybe she had to cut a deal. Maybe she was like a hacker too. I don't know. Oh. Um, Kevin really, his whole thing is just hubris, right? He takes pictures of himself breaking, oh, breaking into the phone to, company. Into the phone company. Um, you know, of course he, of course he gets caught. Uh. There was there was something I'm not. This is when the FBI gets involved. By the way, there's a guy named William E. Smith. He's the attorney for the FBI or the investigating. He's the investigator, dude. I don't know. Oh, was uh, was he African American? Yes, I believe he was the supervisory special agent. Okay, thank you. Yes, and he seems to be the like the dude that like understands internet. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of seems to know like what the uh, real issue is here and so when Kevin's like faking his way into all these telephone company facilities and stuff and uh, eventually gets his hands on something like information about the deposed dictator of the Philippines Ferdinand Marcos Marcos yes and then some others I don't Robbie what else did he like allegedly have access uh, to he, he had some sort of machine was it called a, a test a test box yeah. or something yeah, it's, it's something like only the phone company should have. The phone company and like authorized law enforcement, mm-hmm. and but it it allowed him to wiretap phone mm-hmm. calls. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, and I I'm kind of inclined just based off what information we have here to believe that yeah, he's just like one of these guys who just and maybe in a slightly autistic way he just wants to like it, see how far he can hack and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, though, you know, if you're going to do that, you probably shouldn't leave the unlisted phone number for the Soviet embassy in your storage unit. Cause that's going to yeah. sort of under, but anyway, um, so it, yeah, like I'm inclined to believe that's what was going on mm-hmm. with, with, with this guy. Uh, yeah, he, he just had, he just had basically everything you would need to like, just explore how far you could. Uh, travel on the electronic highway (laughs) how far you could surf on the world wide web (laughs) 
it's, it's so fascinating. This this segment's before a lot of the really big buzzwords in the 90s for the internet were. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the uh, the main investigator for the FBI uses the phrase electronic mail. <laughs> did he? I didn't uh-huh. even notice oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, wow. he did. He did. He was like, and electronic mail. And I was like, oh, that's hilarious, dude. What what happens is uh, this is a, this is a wanted segment. We should have said mm-hmm. that at the beginning. So they know. So the mystery isn't what did Kevin do. They know what Kevin did. They're just trying to figure out where he is, and they suspect uh, he's he grew up in the Los Angeles area. He was up in the Bay Area for a while. That's where he got, started getting into real trouble, and they suspect now he has relocated to the Los Angeles area. Uh-huh. And so that is ostensibly the end of the original segment. Yes. But then we get an update. Hell yeah. And some and so, another reenactment. <laughs> and another reenactment. So this isn't just, yeah, some pictures of someone being led away by Mm-mm. the authorities. Mm-mm. This this is this is really cool. Yeah. Um apparently the one of the managers at a grocery store recognized Kevin. Mm-hmm. And he tipped off the FBI, which I'm just amazed that a grocery store manager has the FBI's number readily available. I think uh, maybe he called the show. First. Perhaps, perhaps, yeah. <laughs> um, but so the the authorities very much had the suspicion that Kevin might return to that same grocery store to, store to shop. Yeah, and Hughes, so he, Hughes Market. Yeah, and so and, he does. And, wait, hold on, Hughes Market and Van Nuys. Where I live. Really? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, this is the. F- I think this is the first time. This is like. There's plenty of cases we've had in L.A., but this is like specific to where Crystal lives. So this is a hometown. This is a hometowner. Next next time I come down there, uh, we may have to go uh, go there. I'm sure Hughes Market is now not that anymore. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> it's probably the Ralphs. Uh, or something, uh, or something else entirely different. I'll, I'll look into it. I just got real excited that this, all, this action was going down in Van Eyes. Yes, yes, yeah. And so, sure enough, Kevin returns. He's uh, at least the re- reenactor is now blonde with a dye job. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of looks like, kind of looks like the character of Quicksilver in the recent x-men movies Uh but um but yeah and so the as soon as he goes in the agent informs the security guard to let the manager know and then we get a really interesting thing apparently the the cashier and the bagger decide to take it upon themselves right so brian bridges the night service manager who's part of the update reenactment yeah um he's he he basically lets those guys know like stall until the fbi can get here i'm calling them right now and so yeah which they they tackle this as apprehend yeah i don't okay a couple of things a couple of things let's say you work at a store and your manager's like yo this guy's wanted by the fbi i'm calling him right now can you stall um, you think for a minimum wage job you're going to be tackling a known felon? I don't fucking think so. I don't think that's the thing Crystal is doing. No. I'm not taking that into my own hands. I'm going to be like, well, hope the, hope the FBI can get here on time. The odds <laughs> of it are probably as great as the odds of both the cashier and the bagger being 
six foot two. Yeah, the back boys are real. Muscle. Yeah, back boys are real beefy, dude. Yeah, they like. There is no way the the computer nerd that Kevin is yeah. is getting away from guys with jock like strength. Yeah, whatever's. I mean, Hughes Market. It's full of beef. Apparently, yeah. So the FBI apprehends Kevin. Mm-hmm. They uh, this this is the part I think we get in the white text at the very end of the update reenactment. Yeah. Um, they apprehend Kevin. Kevin uh, pleads guilty to conspiracy and fraud and intercepting wire transmissions. Mm-hmm. He, uh, after serving time in prison, he created a program for law enforcement that located over 700 registered sex offenders. Yeah. yeah. So, way to turn it around, Kevin. Yes, very commendable. <laughs> yeah, he used his, he in the end used his powers for good. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty Which, cool. Yeah, it begs the question... Well, I had a coworker once who was into computers, mm-hmm. and when we talked about people who made computer viruses, mm-hmm. he always sort of was like, "I can't imagine that. Like to have that level of knowledge and capability, like that you you could create, actually create some incredible things, and, and instead you're just gonna sit in your basement trying to ruin other people's lives." Um. Yeah, well, I mean that's every troll on the internet, right? Well, yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, no, no, Kevin actually finally used his abilities for for good instead of evil. Oh my God, do you know he has a website? What? Yeah, yeah, he has this book called Kingpin: How One Hacker Took Over the Billion Dollar Cybercrime Underground. By Kevin Paulson, wow. senior editor, Wired.com. Very cool. Wow. Wow. That's well. He he sounds like a real like uh, renegade hero type, doesn't he? Yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess I feel sorry about making fun of him so much earlier <laughs> 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 in this segment. We uh, should probably move on to yes. the last segment here, as much as I would love to keep talking about hackers. Yeah, give us uh, give us the lowdown on the fan. Uh, 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 yeah, you know what, guys, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it quick. Here's the deal. So back, let's do the math. Early '80s, mm, no, late '70s. Um, two young girls, uh, Sharita and La Harriet are checked into the same hospital room awaiting surgery for various diseases. I think uh, LaHarriet had some tumors in her throat, non-cancerous, that had to be removed. And Sharita had something undisclosed, but a little bit more uh, serious, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so these they're, they're probably like, I don't know, seven or eight years old, Um when they're sharing their hospital room and they become fast friends and their reenactment shows them playing pranks and racing wheelchairs through the hospital. Um, I don't know if it was maybe different than the 1970s because they say that they're in the hospital for like four to five weeks. Yeah. 
which seems like a long time if you're not like in ICU or in a coma or something. But mm. uh, you know, well, one of them was having uh, throat tumors removed. Yeah, but that kind of seems. I don't know. Maybe maybe they keep kids in the hospital longer. Maybe things were different in the seventies. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Uh, so anyway, so these two girls become fast friends, and they're really there for each other in this really hard time in their lives. And when it comes time for Sharita to have her surgery for whatever it is, I'm not being flippant. They really just don't tell us what the issue is. Um, and we're and we're hearing all of this retelling from the point of a now adult uh, Laharriet. Um, and she is talking about, you know, Sharita, when, when the doctors and Sharita's parents went out in the hallway to talk, you know, Sharita was in tears. And, uh, Laharriet had been told earlier in the day that, um, you know, Sharita's condition and, and subsequent surgery w- wouldn't allow her to have children or bear children as an adult. Mm, yes. And so Laharriet, you know, she's just devastated by this. She's just like, I can't imagine. And she's only seven, you know, but like the reenactment's really touching. They're just really. Oh, yeah, girls. totally. I mean, Lahan solved the mysteries laying it on a bit thick, but okay. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> So the so the mystery this is a lost love segment obviously and the mystery is uh, you know what happened to Sharita as an adult because La Harriet makes this promise to Sharita at her bedside and says when I grow up and if I have children I will share those children with you and we can be parents of them together because I understand you will not be able to have children and it's super touching and like yeah like were you that thoughtful when you were a kid. Hell no. Hell no. That is, that is amazingly <laughs> empathetic. Yeah, LaHarriet's a real sweet girl, and she seems like a nice lady. So, anyway. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, LaHarriet La uh, grows up. She's going by a different name. I don't remember what she goes by as an adult, but she grows up, and she's come to Unsolved Mysteries because she now has a child, uh, a young girl, a young daughter, that she's trying to find Sharita. She's tried to find Sharita over the years, you know, just to keep in touch. Um, mm-hmm. She thinks about her a lot, and uh, she's coming to Unsolved Mysteries because she would like Sharita to be the godmother of her daughter. I was expecting this update to end in tragedy. <laughs> oh God! I was like, oh no, not after all this. Are they going to say, you know, like Sharita's cancer came back or something? Or and and she or died, just they. Or- there's no update. She never found her. Yeah, I, I was yeah. I was bracing for that. I was like, I was oh, like, that's going to be so sad. If it's going to be so sad. But you know what? It's a perfect ending because Unsolved Mysteries, I think, is either contacted by Sharita directly or mm. someone who knows her and says she's alive and well and living in Oklahoma. And so Unsolved Mysteries facilitates a reunion between Sharita and Harriet. And uh, they have some footage of Harriet's daughter being baptized uh, with Sharita at her side. And yeah. so it all worked out at the end. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. And I really wish when Unsolved Mysteries has these types of really good feel-good stories that they ended all the episodes with them instead of like tr- a tragic murder with no resolution. The end. Like this was a really nice note to end the episode on. Mm-hmm. It was like a warm hug. Yeah, it was. I, it, they were really laying it on pretty thick. With it was pretty. It was pretty like saccharine, though. It was a little too sweet. You know what I mean? <laughs> I like these segments, but this was like okay. 
it, yeah, I guess it was a little extra syr- syrupy sweet, but it, it, it was it was a like you said, it was a nice one to end on. Yeah, there wasn't so. anything uh, that I picked on that was particularly interesting about the reenactment itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you... no, I, I didn't see. I mean, other than maybe the image of uh, young. Uh, Nikki on on her bed with the phone. Oh, is she going by Nikki but... now? Uh, Harriet became Nikki. That's right. She became yeah. Nikki Crowder. I want to say that's her married name. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. They they they, they depict her as a young kid on a bed with a phone book and a phone, calling everyone yeah. with the last name of her friend. Yeah. 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 Again, pre pre Facebook. Yeah. So. Yeah, this was another one like uh, Facebook could have solved in five five minutes, or just an internet search really could have solved in mm-hmm. five minutes. But it's nice. It was oh, an, yeah. it was nice. Hey, Robbie. Yes. I you have informed me that mm-hmm. we now have a facebook fan created page that is right instead of the instead on facebook instead of just the normal stupid uh page i created which apparently like no one could I, like leave comments on or leave comments on so it's basically just uh, me every two weeks announcing a new episode i dropped mm-hmm. um a listener Alyssa. Alyssa. Actually, Yes. Alyssa, who knows what she's doing. Who knows what she's doing, took it upon herself to contact our our page and ask if there was a fan page. Yeah, and which when, is and, what we thought we had made. Which is what I thought I'd made, yeah. Uh, I, when I informed her that there wasn't, and, and I actually did it in this slightly humorous thing, I took a screenshot of like her comment showing up in like the dashboard Mm-hmm. of the facebook they uh mm-hmm. set up where i can see comments but have you can't repost them to the thing mm-hmm. i i took a screenshot of that and then wrote on it i have no idea what i'm doing or something to that effect uh-huh. and that was the reply i sent her and she was gracious enough to actually go out and start the fan fan page for us yeah so um can we tell how do people get to that on facebook uh the Facebook page it's called it's called reenacted podcast fans oh great is what's have you I'm sorry I, I'm, I don't have Facebook anymore so I'm really just relying on people to send me screenshots of things that happen on Facebook yes. um, so is has there been any been any activity over oh yeah or? both uh, both Alyssa and of course Helen oh Helen uh, yes yeah. yes she um they've both been posting on there apparently uh there's there's so far we, we've gotten a lot of uh, sasquatch related postings interesting uh, yes yes the very humorous ones I'll, I'll, uh, I'll show you i'll send you screen caps and yes. for everyone else go over and join and you will see what i'm talking you know about. actually if you could just print them out and then send them to me via mail <laughs> You want me to do that? No, I don't really. I okay. Just, I just like that's that's how out of it I am at this point. Um, um, I w- hey, but we are on Twitter and I jump on there sometimes too. Uh, we're at Reenacted Pod if uh-huh. if Twitter's more your thing. 
Also, our Patreon is finally up. So if you go to patreon.com backslash reenactedpod, um, you can join our little rumper club. That sounds more perverted than it is. Uh, for $5 a month, you're going to get exclusive content to a new RSS feed, and you can connect with us there as well. Also, so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to the those of you who've already done that. You're amazing. We also love an electronic mail. Uh-huh. Um, I, hey, there's a message from Willie in there. I think you guys had some back and forth. I don't know if you caught that, but I don't. Uh, I don't know yeah. what you guys are corresponding about. But please, please well, continue. Well, I, 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 I just wanted. He, he thought he was, he was unsure if he had entered the contest. Oh, and I just Sh- wanted. Should I, we just send Willie the thing? Because I haven't <laughs> heard from any of these other people when we tried to do our like random drawing, and honestly, it seems like he wants it. Should we just send it to him? That's that's an idea. That's, let's just that's... send it to Willie. Okay. Get let's Willie. Hey man, you're a cool dude. Just uh, send the send us an email with your wherever you want us to mail the thing, and we'll try and get it out to you soon. I realize that this episode probably won't drop from a couple more weeks. We're recording in early April. Probably I'll get this out in May. But thanks, dude. It's been super cool hearing from everyone. I love it. Um, you know, Robbie and I are trying to get our thing together over here. Uh, we appreciate the patience. I, you know, I don't know if you know what our situation is. And I, and it's a pleasure to do this for you guys. But, you know, I'm, I work full time. I spend 10 hours a week commuting. I don't have as much uh, free time as I used to back in the day. And I know certainly Robbie's uh, transient <laughs> a bit at the moment still, so it's been a, it's been hard for us to even get together and record. But um, hearing from all you guys really makes it uh, super worth it, and and it makes my day certainly um, when when I we get a nice message. Uh, I think recently somebody called us better than white noise, and that really made me laugh very hard. <laughs> so thank you for thank that. Thank you for that endorsement of our adequate. Yes, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, Hey, we should probably do. We should do the thing. This is okay. We've been talking a while. Yeah. For every mystery, there is someone somewhere who knows the truth. Perhaps that someone is watching. Perhaps it's you.